welcome to Unexpected Turns. I used to feel very confused and very scared of what if my whole life just goes by and I get to the end and I think, what happened? <laughs> and now I don't feel like that anymore. I feel like I definitely will die at some point and I'll just, you know, there'll be a natural resistance, but also a sense of like, well, of course, you know, we all die and that's all right. So. Hello, I'm Anne Dibbon and this is Unexpected Turns, where along with my co-hosts Beverly and Julie, we delve into the lives of the bold, brave, truly inspirational people whose lives haven't quite gone to plan. Today's guest, Tegan Phillips, lives halfway across the world, yet I felt an immediate connection with her the first time I heard her speak and have followed her ever since. Tegan grew up in a very comfortable, safe, middle-class family. She did all the right things, went to college, got good grades, got a really good job as a lawyer, but something wasn't right. As she describes it, it was like sitting in a car, driving through beautiful scenery, but all you could think about was how uncomfortable the seat was. Impulsive and adventurous, she recently did a fairly impromptu, pretty unplanned, five-day cycle ride from where she lives in Cape Town up to the Nambian border and back. <laughs> Who does that? Tegan. It's fascinating, really. Today, we talked to Tegan all the way over in South Africa, where she just completed a 12-hour marathon overnight writing session for a book which I cannot wait to read. It's fair to say, though, she is a little tired. How's it going? Hi, Tegan. I'm Bev. It's lovely to meet you. I've been looking forward to this so much. I've read so much about you. In fact, I was just reading your little adventure poem that you posted on Instagram, which I thought seems to sum up your, your life perfectly. So I'm hoping to find out a lot more about you this morning. But firstly, how are you? And where are you? Yeah, good, thank you. I'm in, in Cape Town in my little flat thing here my co-worker slash oh, okay. boyfriend <laughs> can I first ask how you guys are doing and, and sort of what what the podcast is about this podcast came about because I had a, a shock an unexpected turn if you like I suddenly discovered I had cancer you know completely out of the blue and several things happened so it was an unexpected turn in my life my life has quite suddenly changed direction but actually, I'm quite happy with where it is. It's much, it's much better. And Beverly has had more than one unexpected turn, haven't you, Bev? Yes, I, yes, I have. But um, recently, Tegan, um, last year I lost my husband. Sadly, passed away at the end of the year, and that was such a shock as well. I'd retired from teaching, and we were hoping to start a new chapter in our lives. Um, and um, have some time for ourselves with children grown up. And obviously my life now has uh, taken an unexpected turn and I'm having to map out quite a new path and direction for myself. So as Anne said, it, the podcast is, is called Unexpected Turns. And um, I think your life sums that up very much. 
Sure, guys. It's quite um, quite hectic stuff that you've been through. Sure. Both of you. Yeah. But I think one of the things we wanted to show with this podcast is, you know, yes, we've taken an unexpected turn, but things can still come good. And I've learned so much and I'm in a much better place now as a result of moving through. And, you know, what you've done is just astounding. Well, I think so. The idea of this podcast (laughs) is to show that, you know, no matter what turns life takes, things can be great. That's the purpose. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's amazing. That sounds like a very important sort of theme or message. What we wanted to find out from you is, well, basically, why aren't you practicing at the bar and in a courtroom now? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Was there a particular moment or event that made you decide to determine your own life path as opposed to the one that was being sort of defined by you through career choice and external sort of influences etc so or was there had you always had that little voice in your head saying that you weren't quite doing what you wanted to do I think what happened for for me is I did grow up in a very conventional sort of way it was like middle class life with a very happy family in Cape Town and kind of I want to say almost things that you see in cheesy American movies with the go to school and have nice friends and play sports and uh, go on family holidays with two little dogs and like very very normal kind of things um, then I went to university and university went like relatively well I suppose and I did a this little internship even though it was just at the end of my undergrad and I'd still have to study further they offered me a, a spot there when I was for when I was finished studying and it kind of just felt like that trajectory was just going to be the one and I think that I kind of really felt like things were going well and that I was happy because on the outside that's what it looked like and that's what society says is like you know if if you don't have any big problems in your life and if you are achieving in a conventional way and if you sort of have I don't know things like family or youth or whatever it is then then things are good and and you're happy and so I think if somebody had asked me I would say yes I'm I'm really happy yeah exactly but then after I got my undergrad just like the day after I finished that law internship um, my family set off on this bike trip through Africa we decided to just take a year and go because my dad had been wanting to do it for ages and he just sold his company so we kind of the timing just worked out to do that. Were you a only child Tegan? No um, I have a younger sister who uh, I mean she and I have always been best friends and we still are best friends so it was my sister and I and my parents and we set off on this trip and it was interesting because at the beginning part of I thought that the trip would kind of drastically change my life and you know you always read about people they go like they go on some big adventure and then everything changes and and they are like and I kind of thought that that would just happen by virtue of no longer living in a city and now we're living on bicycles and like suddenly the world makes sense but initially I found that that actually wasn't the case at all like in the city or when I was studying or when I even when I was in school I found I was constantly just thinking about how can I do better how can I 
control situations around me to make sure that I'm okay and that people like me and that I'm going to achieve and I'm not going to stuff things up. And, and I mean, that was very constant. I don't think it was uncommon. Like, I, I don't think no. it was like a, some kind of mental con condition that was different to just how people live. <laughs> um, but I, I don't think that I was very aware that I was actually quite anxious um, all the time. For example, one example is that when I was studying, I was, I was often thinking about food and about my body and trying to, you know, control what I eat and not always managing and then feeling mm. ugly and, and kind of, it was just very um, incessant and, and things as well, like, oh, I don't know, boys thinking about relationships and finding a relationship and current relationship. And, and then I left on the trip and we started doing this trip and it was just the same. And I <laughs> would be cycling and I was thinking, oh, what's going to, what are we going to have for lunch? Should I eat carbs? Like, how can I make these cycling shorts fit me a bit better? Like, it was just the same type of quality of life and the same style of life. So even though we were living in tents, essentially, and seeing all of these beautiful places in Africa, my inner world <laughs> was exactly the same. So I started reading a book that my dad and sister had recommended, The, the Power of Now, uh, by Eckhart Tolle. That was really... I think kind of what started to change everything for me because in the book he talks about how we humans are addicted to thinking and mm. it never really occurred to me that the way that we think and the sort of resulting tension that you know these compulsive thoughts that are always there about yeah. do this or do that or just even it's just like commentary it, but it's very dysfunctional <laughs> and it sucks up all of our energy and I never and it stops you into during the moment that you're in. Yeah, exactly. We're not actually there in whatever's going on around us because even though we're physically there, we're kind of in like a, a bit of a dream world. But I think because everybody is in it and because we're taught that this is normal and also that it's the only actual way to live, like we, we sort of just feel like this is what it means to be human. It's not something that I've really mm. noticed before, questioned before. I didn't even know that, like, what an alternative to that could be. Like, how do you not live with just thinking all the time? I mean, do you, are you just like a zombie? Or it, I, so it, it kind of really like shook me. So even though you were on this bike ride, you you still felt you were going through the motions of what will people think? And yes, <laughs> yeah, very much. And I mean, I'm, I feel like like maybe you guys can even relate to that in terms of when you, you have both have had these big changes in your life. Yeah. And you think that it will kind of, like on in one level, a lot of things have externally changed. But, you know, for example, I remember at, at my grandpa's funeral, it's yeah. such a serious occasion in one way, but at, at the same time thinking like, I shouldn't eat too many treats, you know, at the at the snack table. And... Do you still have these small thoughts? I don't know how to explain it. I understand. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I, th I think it just really brought home the fact that, that we do live very much internally. The, and the, the sort of metaphor that I really like to use is that if, you know, the, the external things in our life could be seen as like, if we're on a road trip, the external situations, the things that are going on, things like, you know, the scenery and the mountains and what city you're in, um, but actually you're in this car the whole time you're in the road trip and, and you can't get out of the car so we, we focus so much on trying to get 
from say like to one from one city to another city and we think when we're, when I'm in that city then my life will be better but actually if the what's happening inside your car is what's really defining your experience a lot more than we realize so if you've got you you know you're playing annoying music in the car and you've got a, a co-passenger that's talking horrible things to you or um you know if your seat's uncomfortable that you can drive to the next city in the same car and you'll still find your experience if, if your car's uncomfortable in the one city you drive to another city and the car's still going to be uncomfortable that's how I felt in my head that I'd been in a um, in these beautiful places growing up but in a car that wasn't very comfortable because you know my thoughts were were making me tense all the time and then we went on this trip and it was like a big divergence sort of externally but internally the car was still uncomfortable you know but sure. I guess to sort of keep with that metaphor of my brain and so I started, I started to, the same. to kind of notice sure. it or to see things in this way of being like wow I really live in my head a lot and I can't stop thinking and it's it's doesn't give me a very good quality of life. Like I don't feel joy in my body, even though things look mm. good and happy. I, I'm not actually feeling that happiness on a very sort of like free level. And I would say that's when everything started to change because I started to realize that if I, if I actually do want to spend the years that I have here in my life, <laughs> if I want to spend them in a state of relative joy which I knew that I definitely did then I would have instead of trying to just get to the next city and the next city and the next city or like move to a better job and a better marriage or like whatever it is I would have to try and actually work on changing the, my inner world and the, those feelings of tension that I was feeling all the time so I started to to change my goals I suppose um to be more like what's going to make me feel joyful um and not just I think it, it's it's very tempting always okay well if you just become a pleasure seeker in the moment that's not really helping anyone but it's definitely not that at all I think there's a big difference between chasing pleasure and chasing a feeling of of contentment and often chasing pleasure takes you away from contentment because mm -hmm. it's it's sort of motivated by um wanting to escape some part of reality and contentment comes from being able to actually accept reality without resisting it and without feeling that <laughs> pushing against it. So I, I started to, uh, during the trip, um, which is nice because I mean we were cycling for many hours a day, so it was a really good opportunity to be able to to practice these things in my head because you can't just go and start doing a whole bunch of emails or um, watch TV or something. You know, when you come across these difficult thoughts, you you're just stuck with them yes, and you can I kind understand. of work through them. So it became a chance to start to really um, work on my, I suppose, like mental dialogue and, and adjust the things that I was, I was planning in life and chasing in life. And I started to... Did you talk to your family about about these changes that were going on in your mind? Um, somewhat. They were there with you? Uh, I think it... Um, I mean, your dad, your dad had given you that book, as you said, The Power of Now. So did he have some sense of your issues, of the things that you were, you know, stressing over and concerned about in your life? I think he definitely did. 
I also think that this is, it's like the default state for most people all the time. So it, it wasn't like Tegan has anxiety. Sure. I don't think I, I, like I definitely didn't actually have anxiety. It's just normal for humans to live in a state of low level anxiety. So he was a, a philosophy uh, tutor. I mean, he was a businessman, but in the evenings he, he taught at the philosophy school. He still does. Um, so he kind of introduced my sister and I to these ideas of finding contentment <laughs> in different ways. And so I think he, my sister and I sort of went through a very similar transition and we did chat about it quite a lot. And I think my parents did notice it. Like we didn't speak about it too directly, but I remember at the end of the trip, they were, they once made a comment like it's it's quite unusual you you guys seem quite different to how you used to be yeah I think it became like I started to to care less about doing things that maybe I would have wanted to do before that would have got a lot of praise but wouldn't make me feel joy I started to become very much um, joy focused and just to see like okay does this make me feel that sense of like okay this is right or does it make me feel like not good and that was sort of the only measure of <laughs> of things and so I mean my dad suggested well I, I, at the time I was making some comics to tell the story of, of the trip and I was loving the cycling I was loving being outdoors and a lot more than I would, than I would have enjoyed law sure uh, so my parents suggested well my dad mostly suggested like why don't you try and somehow turn this into a career and I think, yeah, before I would have felt like, well, that's definitely not going to um, be a safe option. Sure, yes. <laughs> like, who, who really does that? I, I love that word safe that you use there, that you were focused on the safe options. Yeah. I mean, I think you grow up being told that you have to be realistic and you have to be responsible and almost made to feel guilty like if you are having too much fun then you're sort of cheating you're like there's something wrong with that and adulthood isn't supposed to be fun it's supposed to be about doing your duty and you're not supposed to enjoy your duty I mean you can you can kind of like make the best of it but it's it's supposed to be full of work and work is by definition not enjoyable yeah. and we I think because we're told that for such a long time yeah we're very much conditioned to go that way aren't we you know and to behave that way yeah yeah and I mean even to you know in the workplace there's a, a culture of um, drink more coffee hustle harder achieve you know like it's there's a lot of very conflicting messages around then it's just like you must have a good work-life balance and you must perfectly have it and everything you must just be perfect and I mean some of these things you just can't physically do them at the same time (laughs) but society seems to be very good at making us think that if we're somehow not meeting the ideal on on every front then we're failing and then that sense of failure gives us a feeling of like we're, we're constantly dropping some ball we're constantly inadequate in some way and because we we believe these things to really be true about ourselves or, or sort of believe the things that our brain is telling us to be the brain so my, my brain is realistically commenting on reality as opposed to being like my brain is just being a brain 
and of course it's going to say these things but it's slightly dysfunctional <laughs> like it's helpful sometimes it's mostly dysfunctional to be able to just have that separation from these automatic thoughts um when we believe it then life becomes difficult and then we we think oh, okay life is difficult now i need to if i'm just better then it'll stop being difficult as opposed to being like no i'm just believing stuff that isn't true so anyway <laughs> i started to to think about changing my career path and so when we got back from the trip i decided to pursue how long was the trip it was a whole year wasn't it yeah about sort of like 10 months 11 months something like that so pretty much we left in january and got back towards the end of the year and then that was a, a whole new set of challenges because i think during the trip i've been able to develop quite a positive relationship with my internal narrative that it would kind of talk and i got much better at, at telling it to be quiet or ignoring it and mm -hmm. um, not feeling so like whatever it said i had to go get sucked into that but then when we got back from the trip life was was much less simple and so sure. it became quite difficult like it wasn't a case of you just wake up and mom and dad have made some coffee and then we cycle wherever dad wants to go we stop for lunch and my sister makes lunch and i pack up the tents life <laughs> so you just wake up ride eat sleep repeat yeah know? but i did i did feel a sense of like after the trip i felt ready to start contributing to the world um, it's quite a big adjustment was now i felt like okay now i know that i want to pursue like a stuff that gives me an inner joy as opposed to a psychological tick or like this is good uh, but I this is the way know. to do it yeah <laughs> it was just very it was very difficult because because i was suddenly in this world of, of having to like try and create a whole career for myself uh, and i was trying to travel and go on adventures and figure out how cartoonists make money and deal with not having any money or like um, all of those sort of things where I just felt like quite unprepared for for what for this new life like there wasn't a lot of um, people doing as similar things that I could just look to. A lot of people think if you choose to do like you have go for a freer lifestyle as Bev said determining your own path they, they kind of look at it and think oh that's easier but yes actually there's, there's no roadmap is there you you've got no nothing to lead you the way you're doing it yourself that's so much harder I definitely yeah. <laughs> I think there was so many times where I just craved I, I looked at my friends who were in like a nine-to-five and I mean they would say they hate the nine-to-five but the idea of being able to just go to work and get told what to do and then come home and switch off. I just thought, I, like there were a lot of moments where I, I felt like that is the way. <laughs> that makes so much more sense. Like here I am at 9 p.m. trying to finish a project that's overdue that I'm like barely getting paid for and just like, why would I have chosen this way? But at the same time, I, I think I, I did have a very strong sense that if I went back to something like that, or like if I did try and pursue that more conventional path, I would feel like, I was there because of a lack of courage and it wouldn't feel right. It would feel like I'd like it wouldn't feel right until I left. <laughs> and it was kind of knowing that I like I felt like I had to just stick on this path because as much as it seemed like other things were easier, I knew that I wouldn't really be happy doing anything else.
nor not like deeply happy. So just sort of carried on. <laughs> it takes a lot of courage to do that, to forge your own path. Absolutely. Because you still have, as you say, you still have to make a living. You still have to support yourself, you know, in that conventional way to some degree. You have to eat, put a roof over your head, I suppose. <laughs> were you you lucky to have the support of your parents initially when you were, were starting off? Yeah, no, 100%. I was going to say that now. Like, it, it would not have been remotely possible if it wasn't for a lot of support from my parents for a long time. And also, I think, I mean, they supported me in terms of resources and opportunities, but even just emotionally, I think that was yeah. probably the biggest thing is at least having somebody that you, that you trust and typically get validation from being like, just keep at it. You do. I mean, we're still weekly. Uh, <laughs> I meet up with my dad and say, Dad, what am I doing? And he says, no, you're doing great. <laughs> Keep going. And I'm like, I'm not. And that's what you need. <laughs> he said, no, just keep taking it one day at a time. And I think initially, I, like I, I went through some really rough patches of just feeling like a complete failure and completely confused and quite stressed watching my friends start to establish themselves in the world while I was literally like coloring in pictures. I mean, like, what is this? What type of job is this? <laughs> yeah, and I was, I was going to ask you about some of the, 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 the low points there, as obviously, as you would have had, and you, you just described that then, but also high points through choosing this new lifestyle. I'm sure the rewards outweigh yeah. the negatives, yes. No, definitely immense rewards and high points and I think um, like in, in so many ways that I feel like my lifestyle now is like a, a dream that I get to ride my bike and meet these wonderful people and um, tell stories I think since I was really little I've been writing stories enjoying them like since I was as soon as I could draw even before I could yeah write my mom would write the stories and I would just draw the pictures <laughs> and so to be able to it's something that I've always naturally felt like I wanted to do is, is translate my life experiences and sort of things that I find interesting and put that into consumable content for other people and the thing that I think gives me the best feeling in my job is when I do that for some insight that I've had and somebody says oh okay like I, that made me feel good or I didn't understand that before now I understand it and it's helped me in some way and that I feel like that's what I've always naturally wanted to do and to be able to do it and somehow support myself through that is yeah, I feel extremely yeah. happy. I've loved I've loved looking at your drawings um, they're, they're absolutely amazing definitely some Birthday presents, Christmas presents incoming, definitely. Oh, yeah. It's not just the drawing. You've, you've kept up that cycling that you yeah. started with your parents as well. You've set yourself all sorts of challenges. The other day you made a quick dash to Nambia. <laughs> that was mad. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, was really fun, actually. <laughs> oh. And you've set yourself the challenge. February 2022, you've set yourself the challenge of being the fastest woman to cycle from Cairo all the way down to Cape Town. Yeah, I'm, I'm, hopefully I still need to 
organize a few logistics for that but that is the plan try and do that then which I think will be quite fun I know it's fun but it is a huge logistical undertaking to do that I think what makes it logistically difficult is is trying to go for the time record like in terms of actually just writing down I've got quite a few friends who've done it and it's a lot easier than than you might think you literally just take a bicycle and if you want to do it in your own time um, by yourself you can fly up to Cairo or somehow get up to Cairo and then you just start riding down you take it one border at a time one country at a time and it's cycle touring in general is, is a million times easier than people imagine uh, but when there's the time aspect involved of trying to do it quickly and trying to organize your logistics to be able to minimize time off the bike then it becomes complicated because having support vehicles that need to buy food and pass you food out the window of the car and visas for the vehicles and the people and just the, that whole rhythm and, and then also trying to manage the body because it's one thing to be able to ride a few hundred kilometers in a day and then recover but to do it day after day after day your body even if you're very fit um the a tiny little niggle in, in your knee or hip or somewhere can, can become like quite a quite a massive problem um so there's yeah quite a few things to sort out um but the, i mean like with anything in life you just have to take each challenge and figure out how to face it and do what you can and prepare properly. so that's your next big cycling challenge yeah and, and so what about your comic books and your cartoons what what next for those of you i am writing a book but it's been difficult and you stayed up all night Five hours overnight. Yes. <laughs> How much of that have you have you done? Um, <laughs> I think what I've been really struggling with trying to figure out the the exact story that I'm telling in the book. The the actual way that it's happened was a bit backwards, which I think is what is causing the struggle. Is that I first decided I wanted to write a book, and then I tried <laughs> to figure out what the book should be about. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to having an idea for a book and then just just turning that into words and pictures um but I'm working with a book agent who is super phenomenal and he's been so patient every month I'm like sorry I still have nothing for you <laughs> and he's just like okay when you're ready but I think the the general theme of the book it's it's kind of talking about happiness and brain so I guess the characters are me and my brain and just that relationship how it's developed. I think the reason that I want to talk about that is because just growing up, nobody ever told me that this dialogue that is running through my head the whole time, I say dialogue is more of a monologue, is something that is controllable or changeable and that it, it massively impacts our quality of life. And I just never thought about it that way. And I never knew that it could impact my life or how happy I was. And so I kind of want to put this visual metaphor into the world that could help people to start to change the way that they think um, and start to understand that we can get happiness from I guess telling our brains to just calm down a little quite, bit as quite, opposed to thinking yes, that happiness like <laughs> yeah I guess to to realize there's an alternative to just constantly trying to you know you get a desire and then you fulfill the desire and then you feel good and, and 
we think that if we just get the right desire or if we keep our desires fulfilled all the time then we'll get lasting happiness and that's just not sustainable and it doesn't work (laughs) you talk a lot about happiness I mean would you and the fact that you started this journey because you wanted to have joy in your life would you say that you're happy with where you are now yeah it's it's interesting because I I think like I, I often feel anxiety or I would say so maybe somebody looking at my life from the outside would say well I mean it looks very normal and that you know you go through ups and downs and sometimes cry sometimes get upset but overall I feel like what's what is extremely different from how I was maybe before the bike trip is that I don't feel upset about being upset or about being anxious it just I feel quite detached from the ups and downs and that's I can see like okay now I'm feeling anxious and I friend my dad and my sister say yeah I'm feeling these feelings and uh, I was crying earlier and um, sometimes it feels like I don't know what I'm doing but that the negative feelings don't stress me out (laughs) in the way it's like I think we often feel sad about being sad or angry about being angry and I, I just don't feel angry about being angry I feel calm about being angry if that makes sense yeah just to let Um, let let it be yeah just let those emotions be yeah definitely yeah it feels natural I suppose for those things to just come and go and before it would feel all-consuming because suddenly the reality is that anger but now it's just like of course that's just do you feel that that's empowering now that you've as you say, accepted you are going to yeah. feel like that. It's. I think it's massively empowering because a lot of things become less scary. I think we often don't do things that we want to do because you're like, well, what if I fail? Or what if I get rejected? Or what if, you know, these things happen and then I'll feel failure, I'll feel rejected and I'd, I'd really rather not deal with those feelings. But I think I, I'm not so scared now of negative emotions because they're not so overwhelming. So I feel very willing to just try whatever I feel like trying and then deal with whatever happens and like I think I feel a strong sense that things will will just pass and then I can try the next thing and uh, so it's it's on the surface still the same up and downs but at a deeper level much more peace um, which is empowering definitely. I bet you know as you say in your your adventure poem about looking back I bet you can hardly believe how your life was before I bet the difference must be phenomenal for you it's definitely uh, yeah I think uh, I used to feel very confused and very scared of what if my whole life just goes by and I get to the end and I think what happened (laughs) and now I don't feel like that anymore I feel like I definitely will die at some point and I'll just you know there'll be a natural resistance but also a sense of like well of course you know we all die and that's all right (laughs) it was fun I I read a quote several years ago and it says there's only two certainties life and death so make sure you hug all the spaces in between and you seem to be hugging all the space in between now which is one oh it's a nice it's a really nice quote it is nice even though we'd never met or even spoken until today, Tegan, I really felt mm. I know you. And that's, that's <laughs> just through what you share on social media. How do you feel about people like me thinking they know you just from what they see? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it feels, it feels good. I think we all 
when I'm trying to say like we're all so similar <laughs> humans are so similar and and when we're in that we have these crazy things happening to us all the time like we all do silly things all the time our minds are, are always making us do silly things and um, I think when anybody is sort of transparent about that then it does create these feelings of connection with everybody else because uh, because it is just so universal and we are taught to sort of hide those parts yeah. of ourselves because we feel um, that they're somehow bad or shameful or whatever, oh. but they're, they're really not there. They are very much, I think we are all maybe not quite as silly as I am, but we all are silly at some level. And um, so I love being able to try and make people show people that it's okay to accept the humanness and that it's not bad and yeah I, I really appreciate the sort of like human connection that comes out of that the relationships and friends <laughs> have you made other friends just over social medias yeah I was <laughs> from from instagram um yeah i mean most of my best friends now I've, I suppose I've met through social media which has been so cool that's lovely you talked quite a bit about your about your cycling and how when you did that initial cycle you felt you were still in your mind on that same uncomfortable car journey and you weren't really living in the moment do you feel now that when you go out for your cycle rides you are actually enjoying the here and now um definitely more so I think I think I've, my mind is still a lot more active than when I was at my peak happiness <laughs> um, nowadays. But when I, definitely when I'm on my bike now, it is a great opportunity to be able to become aware of what is going on inside my head and to be able to, to say, okay, do I want to give this train of thoughts attention or, or can I... Um, reconnect with the, the mountains and the ocean and the feeling of life in my body and so I do associate my bicycle with an opportunity to try and come back into myself and get a better perspective on things if that's <laughs> yeah. my son's a cyclist and he just says the, being on the bike is a real head clear right it's um but it's fascinating to hear you talking this morning and it's really it's really strange you mentioned the power of now because i just ordered that book actually myself oh. yes it's been oh. it's it's come into my life in so many weird ways you know through friends mentioning it mentioning it, you mentioning it this morning just hearing it mentioned on the radio and it's just i think in right i need to get this book it's calling to me so um yeah, so I've ordered that book. Yeah, that's definitely some universal sign for you. Yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely, yeah. So thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you so much, Tegan, as well. It's been, it's been an inspiration because this, this podcast was something that Anne got me involved in. I was very nervous about doing, but it's sort of my first tentative step on, on, on a new, new path as well. So thank you for... Uh, you're sharing your story with us this morning. Oh, no. So thank you guys so much for, for having me and for listening. Um, and yeah, I, I think you should interview each other for, for some episodes because I think you guys have some important things to, to say and 
we're all very interested to listen. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. And good luck with your book writing and your myriad of challenges. <laughs> yeah. Thank I don't you. know how you organise them all. That must be so difficult to keep all those balls rolling. <laughs> Most of them are on the floor. <laughs> and that's okay, Tika. That's okay. Yeah. yeah you can pick oh well. them up. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, well, thanks a million. Good luck with, with putting it all together and I'm looking forward to seeing some more episodes. But before we go, here's Julie with Tegan's Adventure Poem. This is Tegan's Adventure Poem. Whenever you hear in your ear the whisper of some kind of crazy idea, don't doubt you're too this or too that or just too... This adventure was chosen especially for you. So begin with your plans, your diagrams and your dreams and don't feel bad when they laugh at your schemes. Get going, keep going and when you feel stuck, remember it's part of the fun for things to go wrong. Otherwise, how could we ever get brave and get strong? Yes, despite how it seems, the things in the sky are cheering us on, so we might as well try. Take as long as you need to sit down and cry, but then get your butt right back up and hold your head high. Because even if you think that your quest feels small, with every step forward, you're crushing a wall. And with every wall crushed, your life grows a bit more. Until you look back and can hardly believe how it once was before. So say yes next time you hear that call and say, okay, I'll try, and then get out that door. And when people come saying, for you this can't be, just say, is it humanly possible? Because if it is, then so long as I'm human, it's possible for me. Over the last year, I've thought a lot about Tegan's adventure poem. Life is an adventure. This whole journey, this podcast, it's all part of our adventure. But how has Tegan got on? What happened? She spent a huge amount of time and energy organising her world record attempt. She got everybody, all her support teams and everybody collected in Cairo at the beginning of March. And she set off. First couple of days, she made very good time. The weather was unusually hot but she made good time and things were going well. But then, in one of life's typical turns, she became very disorientated and ended up in hospital. Still determined to continue her journey, she wanted to restart her ride, but was told no. But being Tegan, she's not going to let anything stand in her way. So despite that hiccup, she later discovered it was a virus that she'd caught and had put all her electrolytes out of sync. Despite that hiccup, she's busy planning her next attempt, and that will be this October. If you want to follow Tegan's journey, do look at our show notes. You'll find all her social media channels there, and she is a delight to follow. Just seeing her comic cartoons always makes me laugh. Do follow her and we are hoping later this year, after she's completed her challenge in October, to catch up again with Tegan. So until then, take care. Bye. So thank you again and bye for now.